Welcome to the Lookout Post. This is Benevolent, your host. I am so glad that you could join us. Tonight's titled episode is the Restoring the Stone Family Values. The first thing that comes to your mind, obviously, is who the heck are the Stone Family? I ain't talking about uh, Sly Family Stone either. I, I know at first I wanted to call it the Rock Family. But we all know who that is, and you know I don't want to get tangled up in that. So let's find out who this Stone family is. Before I even start this message, I just want to put a disclaimer out there uh, to let everyone know that I am not portraying or trying to take on the job or trying to... Uh, pretend that I'm a pastor or pretend that I'm a bishop. I am neither of these things. I'm what they call a layman. A layman is someone who has the right to speak his words and speak his mind on the behalf of the Bible. There is no uh, rules. There is no law against a layman speaking and projecting a message that was led by the Holy Spirit. There's no way in the Bible that says that a regular man can't share the gospel with others. That's what we were commanded, actually. In Matthew 28, we were commanded to speak to everyone, to allow everyone from the ends of the earth to know the good news, to know the, the good tidings, to know that we have a savior in this disgusting world. We have someone that will pull us out of the fire. So I just want to just put that out there because there's some people who would say, who is this guy? Who, who does he think he is? Who is he speaking the Bible and who is he think that he's, do you think he's preaching? He's preaching to me? No, this is not preaching. This is not preaching. Everyone is given a gift from the Lord. The Bible tells us, I believe it's in um, 2 Corinthians. Some have gifts of teaching. Some have gifts of preaching. Some have gifts of healing. Some have gifts of giving. Some have gifts of gifts of speaking in tongues. There's so many different gifts that the Lord provides and the Lord blesses those that he chooses. And I feel that my gift is the charisma that I have, that I'm able to speak to all. For years now, there's been this one verse from Isaiah 50 that has always been in, in the back of my head. I don't know why, all the time. Every single time, and this, and actually this verse is what allowed me to get bold, allowed me to seek God's boldness and be able to come out and speak and be able to speak on God's behalf to a lost world. So we're going to go to Isaiah 50, starting at verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary he wakes me morning by morning. He wakes my ear to hear as the learned. 
So the tongue of the learned is being able to speak and interpret God's word to other people and, and be able to help people understand God's word and to speak a word in season to him that is weary. It means be able to speak to people when they're down, when people are, are, are sorrowful or people just, you know, people are just negative and just sad or just, you know, just always that person that's just, just miserable, you know, and just down all the time. God gives you the blessing and the gifts to be able to just lift that person up by your tongue, by the words that you speak, by the voice, by your voice and what comes out of your mouth. You're able to pick that person up. That's a gift. That's what he calls the tongue of the learned. And he said he wakes your ear to hear as the learned. So you're able to hear the Holy Spirit. You're able to not hear him in the sense of that it's audible, audio-wise, but more in the sense of just spiritually being able to understand that the Lord is using you and you're able to interpret his words and use his words to heal others and help others. So I just wanted to um, just uh, share that with you guys. So who's this Stone family? And why do their values have to be restored? You know, um, when I was growing up, I grew up in the, uh, I'm not going to say the projects, because I know that's the most cliche, quote unquote, with the fingers in the air uh, from the projects. Every, everybody's from the projects. Every black person that speaks on a microphone is from the projects. No, I'm not from the projects. I'm from the little apartments, you know? Second floor apartments, which is to me almost the same thing. Only difference with the projects is it's one circle, but the apartments is pretty much the same living arrangements. But um, when I grew up, you know, it was tough times because I grew up with a single mother, you know, a single parent. Pops wasn't around, just me and my sister, my mom. So things was tough, things was rough. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, we wasn't spoiled. We didn't have silver spoons in our mouth. We, you know, we went without a lot of times. We was put out a lot of times. You know, things was crazy. And I'm sure just as, just like everyone else who grew up in urban areas and, and, and you know, poor environments. But the values that was instilled in that apartment were values, I believe, that had, um, had God in mind. You know, and I, and I believe this is the reason why I was, I was able to grow up to be who I am. You know what I mean? There was so many different areas that I could have took. There's so many avenues I could have went down. You know, there's so many directions and paths that I could have took. But because of the way I was raised and the way that my home environment was, it was, it was full of love. My environment was full of love. It was... Uh, uh, straightforward, you know, um, we, we, we pretty much seen eye to eye, all three of us, you know what I mean? We, we had an understanding and, and that was instilled by moms. Moms was a tough, tough, tough mother. You know, my mom's is, um, from, from Panama. So she wasn't, she wasn't born here. She wasn't raised in America. She's from, you know, 
uh, Central America. So coming here, obviously the culture is different. And I was raised with the culture of a Panamanian, basically. Not that it matters what nationality or what creed or bottom line, really, in the point is there was, there was a structure in, in that home. As, even though we were poor, even though that things was rough and rocky and, and you know, we seen a lot of uh, bare Christmases, Back then, Christmases, we cared about it. We was kids. All kids care for Christmas. But um, we still turned out okay. This family I'm speaking on is one that was built on the foundation of a rock. It's that family that is almost that next to perfect family, you know, that externally they look dysfunctional. But, you know, inwardly, a tight, as a tight knit, loyal, respectful, kind, loving family. The ones that are rough on the edges, outside looking in, those are usually the ones that when you when you open the shell, once you crack the shell, it's soft and it's warm and fuzzy. The ones that are warm and fuzzy on the outside, the inside is rotten. They put on a front and they put on a, a disguise and a mask as the great family. Oh, wow, look at them. When you look out your window, you see them, and they're always huddling up, and they're getting in the car. You know, you got the soccer mom. You got the, uh, the average dad with the tie, fixing his tie while his wife gives him a kiss, handing him his lunch bag, you know. The kids getting ready for school. They look so beautiful and innocent. You see the leaves blowing by as, as the school bus takes off on that little street, the little nice street, you know, little suburban street, way, way from the city. And you just look at them, you say, wow, now that's the type of family I would like to have. But you know what? Those are the families usually that their foundation was built on sand. Let's get into this scripture. So restoring the stone family values was based on Matthew 7, verse 24. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever, again, I'm not going to get into the, uh, the old English um, pronunciation. I'm just going to say just the average modern English. Therefore, whoever hears the saying of mine and does them, I, will, I would like unto him a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears the saying of mine, but does not do them, should be like unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and the great was the fall of it. That thing came down because it was built on sand. What the Lord is saying is that when your family values and your family foundation is built on the things of this world, it's upon sand. 
But when you realize that the Lord wants to intervene in your life and he wants to make you a kingdom family, he wants to make you a kingdom family, he wants you to be a family that is blessed. The family of Psalms 128, where your wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the side of your house. And your children should be like olive plants round about your table. You know, um, when you think about families that really warm your heart and families that, you know, you really look up to and families that you you wish that you were part of. Remember back in the 80s and the 90s? They, they don't make those family shows anymore, the, the family sitcoms. That's all that ruled the airwaves. That's all that ruled the networks. And all the, the prime time slots. Because back then, family, and, and even, I mean, even now, but it just doesn't occur. And I believe a lot of people has lost touch of it. But, but family is our foundation. It's what dictates the culture of society. So it's only right that it will be founded on a rock where it will not move, stand firm. Through any storm, through any tempest, through any hurricane, through any tornado, through any tsunami, where everybody has each other's back, there's no resentment towards anyone. Yeah, you have feelings. Yeah, you have, everyone gets in their feelings. Everyone, you know, has little quarrels and spats, but you get over it. You know, like the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And you don't, you know, you wake up in the morning, it's all good. It's like no matter how rocky, no matter how stormy or windy it gets, that family can't be moved because it was set and built on a rock. The Stone family is the modern day Flintstones. Remember the Flintstones? You know, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but they had God in mind when they made that cartoon, you know. The makers, Hanna-Barbera, they based the characters on the Bible. Yeah, they really did. The characters were based on um, uh, the honeymooners, but it was just the characters only. The form of the characters and the voices and, you know, the, the demeanor and the style and everything, but the actual messages and the actual layout and the actual script was all faith and bible based it was all messages of good news message it was all good messages you've never really seen anything malice or anything evil anything wicked in the flintstones you know as i always say you know go and research it you know you got google at your fingertips so go look it up uh joseph hannah no i, I think it's uh william hannah and joseph barbera they used to be the best, you know. They they had those cartoons back in the day. They they made Yogi, they made uh, the Jetsons. They had all those big time cartoons that we used to just you know love to watch. But they were wholesome, you know. They were wholesome, good, uh, fun. They were nice cartoons. They were really nice cartoons, and it was it was very rare you would find an episode where there was any violence or any any malice you know maybe sometime they'll pop a gun now and then or that time when uh fred got robbed the dude pulled the gun on fred he said hand over the bag 
nice and slow, see? That's the way to do it, nice and slow. <laughs> I know y'all who are around my age or, or a little younger or whatever, remember that. If you remember that episode, that was a, that was a crazy episode. But it's funny, was it nothing, was it no occultic or, you know, mysticism or magical? It was nothing, the only really magical uh, character was Kazoo. And I believe Kazoo was just like their imagination. That was just like a, um, that he was just like a symbol of their imagination, a symbol of like their conscience or a symbol of their inner thoughts, you know? But I don't believe he was just, uh, uh, he, was, he looked like a Martian, but he would only appear at certain times and he didn't have no spaceship or nothing. If any of you guys out there remember if Kazoo was a actual Martian, or was he just a figment of Fred's imagination? If y'all could hit me, uh, let me know. Just comments. By the way, y'all could leave comments on my email for any thoughts, questions, or concerns, or even uh, prayer requests. They're welcomed. But now that as you're older, you know, you look back, and I'm sure um, they were referring to a, prehist a prehistoric family that built their homes on a rock. And it was most likely post-flood. Since it was Bible-based, I believe that this family was post-flood. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, a prehistoric family. And then when you look at the family structure, not only were their home, it was made out of a rock. The whole neighborhood was bedrock. So they all lived on a rock. So that means that the whole community knew the Lord. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was spiritual. It was spiritual and it was physical. So not only did they build their homes physically on a rock, but they built it on a rock spiritually. So let's, look a look, let's take a look at the family structure real quick. I don't want to get too far into this, but just to give an idea of the Flintstones kind of coincides with the Stone family. You know, it's similar. And it's similar the way that they lived as well. Um, so, okay, we have Fred, the big, strong guy, the big, tough guy, you know, the, 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 uh, the blue-collar worker. He was a strong provider, protector, hardworking man. He, he worked with his hands. Remember, he used to work at the gravel pit. He used to just, he used to be on that big rig and just, you know, moving and, you know, Fred worked hard, and Fred was a very hard worker. He was humble, and he loved his wife. That's one thing. He loved Wilma, boy, no matter what. As soon as he come in from work, he'd give Wilma a kiss, and Wilma had a nice big plate of uh, pterodactyl burgers on, on the plate for him. And he would, you know what I mean? It was just lovely. And then uh, Wilma, the loving housewife, humble, kind mom, understanding and supportive to her husband, and above all, she allowed Fred to be the man of the house without interfering. Of course, unless the mother-in-law came over. Wilma was, was and what you call today a virtuous woman. This is what the Lord calls a woman that is blessed in Proverbs 31 verse 10. The word of the Lord says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. The heart of a husband does safely trust in her so that she has no need of spoil. What that's saying is that her husband loves her and he trusts her 
and he keeps her safe and he keeps her, he, he provides for her. He's a provider so that she doesn't need any provisions. He's her provider. And she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. You see that? She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. So that means she would never betray him. She would never backstab him. She would never cheat on him. She would never uh, lie to him. She will always be loyal to him because she realized that she entered into a covenant with this man. Then the Lord talks about how she works with her hands, how she's a good woman. Now, you have to remember this. People are going to say, but dude, this is old times. This is like 3,000 years ago. Yes. But remember, the Lord never changes. The Lord is the same way today and forever. Today, the same yesterday and the same tomorrow. He will never change. He remains the same. So it says, she seeks wool and works willingly with her hands. She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to their maidens, to her maidens. She's a giving woman, a kind, sincere, warm-hearted woman. She rises up at night, you know, instead of laying in bed, thinking about herself, catching Z's. She realizes she has people in her home that she needs to take care of. So she ministers unto these people. She gets out of her bed and ministers unto them, unto her, her workers. Because most likely this is a, a woman of, of, of great, of great uh, wealth. And who knows how, it doesn't, the Lord doesn't say exactly, but you can kind of tell that she's a woman of great high standards. And this, this confirms it. She considers, her, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a, a vineyard. So she loves to be in the garden. She loves to plant. She loves to use her hands. She's a very gentle woman. So she perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goes not out by night. So she's a uh, businesswoman. You know, she's working on her business. And I think the Lord is illustrating that it's not so much that she's a businesswoman. It's the fact that she's a very responsible woman, that she's multitask. She can take care of the home. She can take care of her business. She can take care of her husband. And she can take care of the kids. So the Lord is telling us that the, the, the godly woman is a multitasking woman. And again, this confirms it. In verse 20, she stretched out her hands to the poor. Yes, she reached forth her hand to the needy. That's a blessed woman. She's not selfish. She's not thinking about herself, about her Gucci and her, and her Fendi and her uh, uh, Dior. What money, she, since she is a well-off woman, she goes into her purse and she stretches her hands to the poor. She reaches forth to the needy. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So her husband is known in the gates. So her husband most likely is a businessman as well, or he's maybe a, uh, he's in the gates. 
So if he's if he's known in the gates, that means he's a he's a well-respected man. He's a man of dignity. And if he sits among the elders, then he's a well-respected man, a highly dignified man, a distinguished man of God. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she should rejoice in time to come. This is saying that what she sows, she sows so much. She, she puts in so much into her work that what she's going to get out is going to be massive. It's going to be in abundance because she works hard for it. She opens her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She opens her mouth with wisdom. That means she doesn't just talk foolishness, you know? She doesn't just yip and yap and just bicker and, and nitpick. She uses her mouth wisely. She chooses her words wisely and she uses choice words. She uses words of intellect and words of wisdom that make sense. She makes sense. She looked well to the ways of her household and she doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Eat the bread of idleness means that she's not lazy. She's not idle. She doesn't just sit around, just lay around, eat, and just lay around. No, she's always moving around, always doing something. She's always busy. 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. This woman right here, this is what every man dreams about. But no one is perfect. No one is perfect. The only reason why this woman is perfect is because it's an example of what a woman should strive to be. It's not, God's not really saying that this is how all women are going to be or should be because it's impossible to reach this level. Level. I don't want to say low, level. But when you know God, you can reach this level because God says, Many daughters have done virtuously, but you excel them all. That is like the hugest compliment that any woman can get. The Lord is saying that you are blessed above all women. He says many daughters have done virtuously. Many daughters have did beautiful things, have done great works, have done works of faith and have done works of, of uh Whatever works they have done, it's pleased the Lord. But he says that this woman here, she excels them all. So she is truly blessed. And 30 is basically what seals it. He tells us as men what we should be looking for in a woman. If we are looking for a woman and if we have a woman, this is how we should look at her regardless of what's going on favor is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman that fears the lord she should be praised so god is saying you know what gifts and and and, and treating you like a princess and treating you like a queen if it's not worthy is deceitful and beauty is vain she could be the most beautifulest woman in the world. It means nothing. But you know what does mean something? 
a woman that fears the Lord shall be praised. That woman is more beautiful than any woman you have ever glanced your eyes upon because she has the blessing of the Lord upon her. Finally, in 31, he says, give of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gate. Give her of the fruit of her hands. Give her what she works for. Now it's time to reap. Harvest time is here. Grab your reward and let her own works praise her in the gates in front of everyone. Let everyone praise her. Give her a round of applause for being such a beautiful wife and such a beautiful woman. And this can be attainable through the Lord. All is possible with God. Things are impossible with man, but all things are possible with God. So nothing is unattainable. Nothing is unattainable. Because if it was unattainable, it wouldn't have been written. And God doesn't make any mistakes. Now, remember little Pebbles, the little cute little redheaded girl, the little redheaded baby? Precious, you know? The child as a baby, precious that they all are. Then she became a teen into a woman. She fell in love with her next door neighbor, Bam Bam. Remember that? But this is the way all fathers would love to send their daughters off. Yes, I realize that times have changed. Women's roles have changed. Is it the times or was it designed? Regardless, women now have become the breadwinners and they are no longer housewives. So I'm going to try to break down how the Stone Family Foundation has been reduced to mere sand. When you look at a change for the worse in a culture, in a society, Satan's fingerprints is all over it. The family was a blessing from God. Genesis 1 verse 28 tells us, actually I'm going to start at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So it tells us we were created in the image of God. So if we are the images of God and he has given us a family and a woman, shouldn't we treasure that knowing that we have been formed and made in God's image? 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. All right. So not only did he tell us to have children, tons of children and to live blissfully. And that have animals, you know, we can choose any animal we want as a companion. Not now, back then we could in the garden, but not anymore. After the fall, no longer. Wild beasts will shred you to pieces. But before, you could be able to sit down with the, 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 the uh, lions and 
tigers. You could be petting them. Kids could be riding the tigers, having a good time. Nah, not now. Maybe when when we see when we go up and we see God, we'll be able to do that again. And when we come back to earth and he brings uh, the uh, new Jerusalem down. But until then, uh, we ain't going to be seeing that no time soon. You know, the way God designed the family is that he put the man, he put the father, he has given us orders and duties to each and every father and husband. He makes them very clear. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Mm. I guess that about sums that up, huh? He says you are worse than an infidel. An infidel is a person of unbelief, a person who just walks by their own uh, knowledge and wisdom and doesn't believe in anything, just falls short of all belief, falls short of all anything other than that person's knowledge is an infidel. So he's saying that you've denied the faith by not taking care of your family. So if you try to come to God in uh, prayer, he's not going to hear you because you disowned your family because you you don't take responsibility for what you've created and what you've established. You don't hold together the foundation that God has placed before you. So you deny the faith and you're worse than the infidel. Now I understand there's a lot of single fathers out there. I was once a single father myself. So I'm not sitting here throwing stones in glass houses. I live in a glass house. You know, my house was built by uh, Anderson. But at the same time, I'm, I'm here to tell you because I've been down that road. I've been down, I've been that one who's play around and it's not until I started to get serious and started to really try to find out who I really am. And upon doing that, Bible was sitting right in the middle of the path. You know how there's a left and a right? While I was trying to look for my path, the Bible blocked me. So I had nowhere to go. This concludes the first segment to restoring the Stone family values. I thank you for listening and I hope that you will join us again on part two. As always, God bless you and your families.